The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This baseball show, Monday, September 5th, Jack McMullen, Aram Layton talking baseball on Labor Day because we don't believe in labor. We don't. Believe- I mean, this is this is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, what does that mean? I believe in labor, but I don't believe in labor. It. No, you know, what? We, let's just say we're grinders. Take no days off. Right. But, you know, not, well, I, I also don't want to give it's seasonal, bro. Baseball, baseball ends like <laughs> The, there's a full off season, right? Like that's the yeah. thing. Um, so you know, the Labor Day is is in the middle of, you know, I I guess November for us, right? Like we have all of November to to just watch football and uh, we'll do whatever. So actually, we'll have the Arizona Fall League then. We were just talking about that. Very excited about the Arizona Fall League. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, La- Labor Day. We're here to talk baseball. I'm sure, a lot of people out there are enjoying the day off. I hope you are. Uh, yeah. You know, enjoy some baseball. Listen to us talk about it and. Um, I didn't even know it was actually Labor Day. I actually had no idea until my roommates were all pumped up. They're like, House of Dragon tonight and no work tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that's nice. That is that is very nice for them. Um, we're going to bounce around a little bit. I decided for you YouTube folk that the decor in the back is perfect. It's just the ML, MLB.TV screen saying this event is in a weather delay because rain just kind of like reared its head all weekend long, huh? Oh, yeah. No, big time. Of course, for Labor Day, right? When people want to have their, you know, backyard barbecues Barbecue. and relax. Yeah. Nope, absolutely not. Uh, but it would have been more fitting if it was, you know, this event is blacked out in your area. Yes. Uh, but we'll, we'll take the weather delay there. A lot of minor league games kind of canceled across the landscape as well. Uh, we're kind of hitting that part of the summer where uh, the weather gets a little bit sketchy, which knock on wood. My home state of Florida has been clear of hurricanes so far yeah. through this hurricane season, only another month or so. Yep. Uh, so let's hope, uh, let's hope it stays that way. hundred percent, man. Um, this is deeper than minor league baseball has really ever gone in, in recent memory. Uh, minor league baseball typically ended around labor day, but here we are getting into late September. I mean, the triple a season doesn't end until September 28th or 29th, whatever that Wednesday is. I think it's the 28th. So, uh, and then minor playoffs, ball- right. Uh, there are playoffs for like obviously the very few, but um, we are fully into the September playoff push, and a lot of divisions are shaping up to look really weird. And teams are trying to stay away from the wild card area. And um, I don't know, there might be some teams that we just chalked up as division winners that might be, you know, having some breath hit their neck. Um, one of which is the New York Yankees. 
Top of the seventh at the trap right now as we record. Yankees up one nothing. Frankie Montas finally had a good start, but mm-hmm. I texted you. Rays plus 750 to win the American League East right now. If the Rays do win this game, they're three back. They entered play on Sunday, four back of the Yankees. Yeah. They had won five in a row, eight of their last 10. The Yankees had lost three in a row. They had only won four of their last 10. Do you see momentum swinging here or no? It's funny, man. I I think this game has a huge bearing. And we're at the point of the baseball season now where it, because you, know, you can turn the page game to game so easily because each game is less than 1% of an effect, you know, on, on your overall season when you play 162, right? But we're at the point now where each game can swing it massively when you're playing head to head against a, you know, a divisional opponent. We talk about as we're recording now, the Rays are four games back. You win this, you're three. You lose this, you're five. That's pretty much the the most insane swing possible at this point in the season. So look, if the Rays finish this game, you know, and are able to, to pull this thing off and, and get within three, it, it's definitely a huge momentum swing for me. And I think Aaron Boone senses that, um, He's he's managed the media well this year, given you know just the ups and downs and and just the way this this season has been for them. Uh, but you know he had a quote yesterday that said, roughly or two days ago, I guess as people are listening to this, that basically if the Yankees collapse, it'll be a great story for you all, is what he said to the reporters, which was I thought was a pretty weird. Yeah, uh, what does quote. that mean? He's sensing it. I think I think he's sensing kind of what's happening, and he as you know just before we started recording this. Went out and got tossed, and and it was a fully intentional toss. Like it was one of those t- to fire up the team. He went out there and just said like "fuck" five times, and was just pointing at the strike zone. Like it was just one of those I want to get tossed. I think he senses the momentum shift, and he's trying to ignite some fire under his team uh, in a game that can really determine which way that pendulum's going to swing down the final stretch. Now, Judge just went yard for the 53rd time this year. This is officially a career high. He is mm-hmm. on pace with what Roger Maris did in 1961. But yep. um, it's just him. No, oh, it's he's, it's a one-man wrecking crew. Right now, it's just him. And you can't win baseball games like that. You know, we, we saw... Um, we saw some of LeBron's seasons, his first stint in Cleveland, where he was dragging like Mo Williams and Anderson Verish out of the finals. But we know... That's not baseball. That's not how this sport works. Uh, Somebody else has to step up. Who is that going to be? That's the the big question, right? I mean, the Yankees are so desperate. Right. And you look at a Glaber Torres and you're like, he's a lost cause. You look at Hicks. He's a lost cause. Donaldson is a lost cause. Like lost cause. You you need Stanton to go nuclear with him. You need Peraza and Cabrera to play well. I really don't think there's very many guys that, you can rely on playing average baseball down the stretch. I think the two that you have to look at are Stanton, stay on the field, buddy, and LeMahieu start to click a little bit more. Yeah, you know, LeMahieu over the sample of the entire season has been really good, right? And and I think that's gives you some hope, but he has been really rough. He's been banged up, I think, and that's been holding him back a little bit, but it's been tough. I would say it's, it's very obviously got to be LeMahieu, and then, of course, Stanton, now that he's back and healthy. And how about Rizzo? You know, I know yeah. he's been hurt and he's out. Like, they need to get him back and he needs to to kind of get going right away for them. That's probably a big ask as well, given that, you know, he, he was dealing with a back issue. And that's typically something that is going to hamper you. And I assume probably isn't going to be 100% until next season. 
LeMahieu needs to get right, and Stanton needs to be a $300 million player. That's just the reality of it. And then, of course, Garrett Cole needs to be Garrett freaking Cole. But Mont is stepping up in this start, I think, it has to give you some you know, reason to be optimistic, but when you don't score, you know, more than one run and it came on a judge Homer, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to be optimistic there. I still believe LeMay is going to finish strong and, and and he's been too much like old DJ LeMay you know, like 2019, 2020 DJ LeMay this season to believe that, you know, he can't kind of finish strong and be a good guy for them. But even if they win the division and they, they kind of limp their way into the playoffs, I don't feel good about this team in the postseason now. And this was a team that we felt like was, you know, up there with the Dodgers in the first half is, you know, one of the best teams and really a team that we almost thought would be tough to to beat in any way. Uh, now I could see them getting bounced in the first round, even if they win the division with the way things look right now. But of course that can kind of change quickly. Yeah. It, it can all kind of change quickly. Now on the other side, Tampa, like what kind of momentum do you feel like they have? Because, I'm looking at this lineup and, you know, natural original baseball thinking is saying, how the hell are they competing? How are they winning games? How have they won five in a row? But then you look at what Jose Siri has done and he's slashing 279, 333, 430 in 28 games with Tampa. Isak Paredes has had these runs where he is just playing incredible baseball. I mean, they plug and play so many different guys Manuel Margot, Randy Arozarena, David Peralta, Christian Bethencourt. They've got dudes that have figured it out now. Do yep. you really see Tampa like being able to win a wild card series or maybe even win this division? I think they can. I do. I you know it, it's it's tough for them without Brendan Lau, but I think he's going to be back again soon too. They're going to have to come together quickly with the guys coming back, you know, off of the IL, which is the big question, because I think as this team stands, it'd be very tough for them to, to pull off a wild card, you know, win. Um, but with what they have and what they've been able to do, I think they can obviously hold that spot. They continue to play well. They're kind of built for the regular season uh, to be able to survive with the way they're able to mix and match and the depth they have, but they continue to add bullpen arms. Matt Whistler coming back. They're going to add a couple more potentially over the next couple weeks. Wander Franco making his rehab appearance again. Now with the Durham bulls, super important there. You yeah. figure he's going to give you a big boost because they've been getting nothing from the shortstop position. I mean, Taylor, Taylor Wallace, Wallace has really has been, been a disaster. Dreadful. Yeah. A disaster. So you assume the, the, the boost, even if you're getting league average offense from Wander, I think that's going to be a nice uh, uptick from what they're getting from Taylor Walls. Brennan Lau coming back helps the bullpen arms. I think this team can, can really have it all come together at the perfect time, but you know, it, it's going to take a little bit of luck there with the guys coming off the IL, hopefully hitting their stride. What's the postseason rotation? McClanahan, Rasmussen, and two openers? Springs? Yeah, I guess, right? McClanahan, Rasmussen, and two openers. Like Springs and Armstrong have started two of the last three games for them. It works, though. I know it works. Why Why can it work? I don't understand why it can work. They know. They just know exactly how long to ride these guys. They know exactly how to handle it. It's pretty wild. I mean, do you, do you not trust like a Corey Kluber? No, I don't. I think I trust a bullpen game over Corey Kluber. Actually. Kluber's been like fine this year. I know, but I think I trust a bullpen game. Like I, I trust a game that it, it's why not Brandon Armstrong, Kluber right? on a short leash. 
Why not Kluber on like a, yeah, a short I would, leash? I would trust anybody on a short leash except Dallas Keuchel. That's the only guy yeah. I wouldn't trust on a short leash. Yeah, so you go Kluber on a short leash. If he doesn't look great, you yank him and you go bullpen game or he piggybacks. Like th- that's the thing is they have so many arms that are capable of giving you, you know, three really good like lights out innings that I, I think, yeah, you mix and match on that third game. And and I think you feel pretty good about it. Two nothing Yankees now in the bottom of the okay. seventh. Um, Oswaldo Cabrera hit a sack fly to plate Aaron Judge who doubled. Again, oh it God. is only Judge. It's that's so crazy. And, and like, if you need any more of an example of why this guy's the clear cut MVP, it's Aaron Judge is winning them baseball games by himself. I know Shohei Otani is doing that too with the Angels, but they're not winning that many games. So, I mean, Aaron Judge. Without Aaron Judge on this Yankees team, I mean, where are they? I don't think they're in first place. I can no, tell no. you that. Um, you know, it, it's pretty amazing how he's been able to just be a one-man wrecking crew. You only hit so often. Yeah. You, you're one of nine guys. It, it, to, to be able to do what he's doing is unbelievable. Well, and doesn't this feel like doesn't this feel reminiscent of what Bryce Harper did in his MVP campaign last year? Because yep. Harper, he scratched and clawed the Phillies back into the postseason race on his own. Yep. Um, that's kind of what Judge is doing here. And that's what pushed Harper over Soto and Tatis for that MVP finish. I think that's exactly what's going to push Judge over Otani. And imagine, imagine Harper doing what he did offensively while playing a solid defensive center field in a spot that he shouldn't be able to play in. Yeah. Like Judge is playing above average defense and also better base runner. Like Judge is a good base. What is he, 15 for 17 on stolen bases this year as well? Like he's bringing value in every single way possible. And I'm so interested to see what kind of money he's going to get uh, because obviously he's, it's interesting with the age, but also the performance. This is one of the best seasons we've seen in the modern era. Uh, you know, especially if you uh, put aside the, the steroid culprits, it, it's really one of the most insane seasons we've ever seen. AAV and length. I think it's going to be like a Max Scherzer AAV, um, you know, so like 46, yeah, like 43 yeah, to 46, 43, yeah, 43, but maybe only five years. But then if you want to go a little bit less AAV, they could go like seven for 40 a year. I could see something like that. Seven for 40 a year. I see eight for 36. Okay. I'll tell you what that is right now. 36 times eight. Eight years, $288 million. It's pretty freaking good. I know everyone's like expecting to hear the 400 or like hear whatever. No, he's 30. He's 30. So it's just not going to happen that way. Um, but man, that's that's pretty awesome. You figure Trout's making 33 and a half right now. But Trout also was given a 12-year deal. So you yeah, figure he was also like 26 years old when he signed it. No, but I'm saying like. It, the reason why it's less AAV is because he's going to get another four or five. He, he got another four Correct. or five years Correct. than Judge is going to get. So if people are like, wait, but 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 Trout's only making 33 and a half. Trout could have had more per, per year, but he just took the guaranteed $426.5 million. Um, I think Correa is a more you know interesting number to look at, given that he got 35 a year on a three-year deal with options. Given that Judge has been much better than Correa was last year after having, you know, Correa had the best season he's ever had. I think 37 to 42, anywhere in that range is more than reasonable. And I think it's probably going to be closer to 40. 
So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, 14 guys with an AAV on their deal at 30 million or higher. Uh, now, the top three are Scherzer at 43.3, Cole at 36, Trout at 35.5, Correa at 35.1, and Rendon and Strasburg at 35. <laughs> yeah, I think 40, man. I really think 38 to 40 is in the I'll tank. say I'll say 37. Okay. 37 times 8, 296. Eight years, $296 million. Yeah. I think it's going to be right around there. That's freaking awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> That's crazy. Good for Aaron That's Judge, crazy. man. Yeah. Get your you bet. bet on yourself, baby. Bet on Remember yourself. Remember that. Somebody somebody mark this. I might just mark it in post-production. Eight years, $296 million for Aaron Judge. And he's got a player option after year four. Yeah. And a, and, a, and a full no trade clause. Full no trade. Okay, there we go. We and incentives. MVP, he gets MVP and incentives can put it over 300 million. That's always a. You always see the contract incentives can put it over a big number threshold. Well, that's, that's J Rod, right? It, yeah, it was like yeah. 280, but it can push it to like 450 with incentives. I guarantee incentives can push it over 330 or something like that. Correct. That'll be what the deal looks like. Correct. Uh, speaking of J Rod, um, Seattle is on fire right now. And J Rod just sent one of the stratosphere off King Cal Quantrill. Yeah. Um, Guardians currently down to Seattle 2-1 in the fourth, but that game is delayed. That's the game that I've actually got on right now because I wanted to watch Quantrill and George Kirby. But tell you what, man, Seattle's won six in a row, eight of their last 10. They're 10 back at Houston. They're not catching Houston, who's won seven to 10. But Seattle, like, they've got this juice, man. This is fully kind of real what the Mariners are doing. They're a game and a half clear of that final wild card spot and too clear of Baltimore who's on the outside looking in. So there's there's a few things that are very clearly clicking for this Mariners team. And it's really, I think, going exact. Things don't usually go the way the GM or the exec ex- expects it to go, right? Like always things are going to go a little bit wrong. I think, especially pitching-wise, things are going exactly how Jerry DePoto hoped and wished. It's George Kirby after they preserved his innings a little bit, you know, just getting a bit of a break and then finishing strong as ever and continuing to improve. Let me tell you. And then of course, I'm going to go through each of those things. It's not the only thing. Robbie Ray kind of just turning into what he was last year down the stretch here. Luis Castillo being the guy that you were hoping to be, you're hoping he would be when you gave up a King's ransom for him and Logan Gilbert. Yes. He takes a step back, but that's why they went out and got Luis Castillo because they probably knew Gilbert was going to go through a bit of the ups and downs that a young pitcher goes through. And the stuff isn't quite or in a command also is not quite where George Kirby's is like Kirby is the guy that, you know, they probably trust more. Also the last thing, sorry, before I kick it to you, Mitch Hanniger, I, I was talking about that before on the, on the last few episodes or maybe a couple of weeks ago, I thought Mitch Hanniger was going to be somebody that really could come back and help put this team over the top. And it seems like Hanniger has been just that he's one of my favorite underrated players in the game. And He's just such a great fit for them. He plays with so much passion, energy, but also is just a great hitter. And he's really helped that offense kind of ignite here too over the last few weeks. Haniger was the one that had that massive hit in game 162, right? Or yes. 161. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was uh I was I've watched more Mariners baseball this year than I think like most Seattle Mariners fans have because it's the West Coast, like last game on. And I just fucking love Dave Sims. 
Yeah, um, I love the passion there too. There's just you you can sense the like how badly they want to win. Yes, exactly. And and there's this feeling with Seattle that is just incredible. And I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if the data backs it up or anything like that. Um, but I I've heard a lot of people say that you know they think that George Kirby's stuff has ticked up as the year has gone on. Mm-hmm. I'm with it, man. I see that slider. I see Oscar Gonzalez put a terrible, terrible swing on a slider that starts at the knees and bounces like George Kirby. I think he's figuring out how to use his stuff. And the command was so good. That doesn't just mean in the strike zone command. That doesn't just mean painting corners. That means he can start a slider on the lower outside corner. And with how sharp it is, he can get it to break off and get ugly swings. I think Kirby is starting to understand how his stuff plays at the big league level now, um, as opposed to his first couple of starts in the bigs. You know, it's really interesting too, because I think you're absolutely right. Looking at the data, the fastball usage has actually gone up because he is learning how to make that fastball just play. Uh, He's setting it up with the secondaries. Even though he's not using the secondaries as much, he sets it up. And then the fastball, the way he's able to locate it, the way he's able to really pick apart hitters with that pitch because he can legitimately pinpoint wherever he wants. It's pretty amazing. As the season's gone on, fastball velo has stayed consistent. He uses a sinker and a four-seamer. But the four-seamer has continued to improve and improve. He's getting way more whiffs at the top of the zone. He's freezing guys at the knees more because of the life that it has. And then when he snaps the slider off, Everything secondary-wise really plays off of the fastball that he's dominating with. I want to take you through each of the guys that I talked about, Those the, the big three-headed monster that's going to help them in the postseason, what they've done over their last five starts, Robbie Ray, last six starts. Yeah. George Kirby, 2-1-5 yeah. ERA, 1-3-1 fit. Yep. And it's the last five starts. 10.4 Ks per nine, less than a walk per nine. Yep. Robbie Ray, over his last six starts, 138 ERA, a 279 fit, but he's always going to outperform the fit. Like that's always kind of been what he is. Correct. Luis Castillo, last five starts, 2.03 ERA, 2.57 fit. All three of these guys are walking nobody, and all three of them are striking out more than 10 per nine. This is this is a three-headed monster that I think could stack up with just about anybody in the postseason. I think so too, man. And I, I know we were talking about Kirby as the postseason four. Like it's it's what? Right now, it's probably Castillo is the one, Ray is the two, Kirby is the three, Gilbert is the four. Yep. That is gross. That's that gross. Can, that can win a wild card series. And that can win a that can win a divisional series. That can win a that championship can win a lot. series. Yeah. I, I'm not sure like how it matches up with Scherzer and DeGrom and uh, October, but but we shall see. I mean, right? if, they, if they got to the World Series and that's what they're finding out, that's I think Mariners fans will be thrilled with that. I think they're going to be thrilled with it. I think they're going to be thrilled with a wild card appearance here, and and you start the quest for more now, right? And how about how about Matt Brash, dude, dude? He's they found unhittable the as a, for him. unhittable as a reliever. Eric Swanson unhittable oh, as a reliever. Man. Do you think Brash ever makes the move back to the rotation, or do you think he's just like him? Munoz, Festa, and Swanson are just gross. The quartet of nastiness. You know, I don't know. I think that's a really good question. <clears throat> I think it kind of just depends on where where the Mariners are at starting pitching wise, whether they need him to be. But it's kind of hard if you have a guy thriving the way Brash can thrive as a reliever 
it's pretty hard to move him out of there. I kind of like him as a reliever and maybe one of the best in baseball as he continues to mature. Uh, But as as a guy that just turned 24 years old, I'll never, you know, lock him into the bullpen and and swallow the key. Um, I think there's always a chance he can go back into the rotation, but there's no need uh, anytime soon. I can tell you that at least for another season next year too, as well. There's really no need. No. And and you're ready to contend right now. And, and if, Brash can help you as a legitimate contender, have him help you as a legitimate contender as one of the best setup guys in the game, right? And and you've got Paul Seawald, who somehow has turned into this incredible closer for Seattle. Penn Murphy has been really good. They've got bullpen depth, man. I, I think you're right. Jerry DePoto's idea of Seattle Mariners pitching has just come to fruition, and they're living large. Um, we can hop to the AL Central for a moment. Uh, because I continue to just waffle back and forth on the team that that I watch. Yes. Um, the White Sox are, you know, I keep breaking out the, the defibrillator for myself and the Chicago White Sox. Um, I don't know what it was that got me back on the train. Like, I don't know if it was the walk-off hit by pitch overturned into a walk-off fielder's choice that got me going. But I, I'm still like, I still think this team's dead. I just watched Giolito give up a massive nuke to Carlos Correa, which is just what Giolito has done all season long. Um, I I still think they're dead, but this division has just been so shitty. Like Cleveland has lost four in a row. Minnesota's lost three in a row. The Sox have won four in a row, so they're two back at Cleveland and one back at Minnesota. Like they might be handed the AL Central. That's that's the thing is they're 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 fighting, which I do you know appreciate. I, I this, appreciate it, yeah, because this team could have legitimately folded. Uh, they are fighting, but it's really they should be dead and gone if the Guardians and the Twins just kind of took care of their own business. Both teams, as we're recording this, you know, I think you know, one of them is probably good, if not both might win today. But lost four in a row are the Guardians heading into to this recording on a Sunday and the twins had lost three in a row going into this recording. And it just seems like nobody wants to run away with that division. It's pretty wild. And uh, we know what the white Sox have talent wise. What I will say is some of their bats have started to show signs of life. As of late, you look at the last 30 days, you know, as Monty Grandal starting to look like a, a hitter, uh, again, which is yeah. interesting. Elvis Andrews has been a great addition for them. I mean, he has been at least a slightly above average bat um, since joining them and has played fine defense. You got to subtract a homer and four RBIs from Elvis Andrews, though, because oh, he did it against Nick Gordon in the ninth. That's fine. That's fine. Subtract that. But like even then, he's been a league average hitter, and yeah. they needed that. Uh, stepping in a shortstop they at this needed point. mediocrity. Yeah, I'm with you. Yes, they absolutely needed mediocrity. And then, I mean, you can probably speak a little bit more on the pitching. We saw Dylan Cease almost throwing no hitter yesterday yeah um you know he has been spectacular and they've had some other guys just kind of step up down the stretch here what's your final prediction as you've been the biggest panderer and flip-flopper uh on this white Sox team over the last three weeks yeah so my biggest prediction is um i i think they have fun for the last (laughs) month of the season i think they give it their all and the chips will fall where they may does that work no, that's so lazy um, because <laughs> oh. they, you've declared them dead, alive, or no, sorry, alive, dead. You still say dead, but I think this is you just kind of hedging your credibility here. No, I'm going to say dead. They're you dead. say dead. I say well, dead. Well, here, what if I tell, who, who is the F war leader over the last 30 days 
uh, in the pitching department for the White Sox. This might give you some more hope. F four leader pitching department for the Chicago White Sox, and it's over not the last C's. thirty C's days, way too easy. Cease is two. Cease is two. Um, it's not Cueto. Yes, it is. It's Johnny Cueto. It's Johnny Cueto and his four point nine one Ks per nine. 0.7 F4. I mean, he's been good. Um, but I will say something that is encouraging. Lance Lynn's last five starts. Oh, yeah. How are you feeling about Lance Lynn? Because Lance Lynn, 264 ERA, a 3.07 XFIP, 10 strikeouts per nine, and he's walking nobody. Yeah. We know Lance Lynn's good. I, I know he's older, and, and that's something to, to monitor, obviously. Is he slowing down? Maybe, maybe not. I think he's been banged up this year. Hasn't fully felt right. He looks right. <laughs> that could be a big X factor for the White Sox. What do they need to do? Is it Lance Lynn or do they need to do something else to, to take this division? Because two games is nothing. That's one series. I think they have plenty of head-to-head games left against in the division as well. Problem what do they is, need to do to go over the top here? Problem is they could be five back at the end of this series coming up. Like tonight, Lance Lynn pitches in Seattle. That's a pretty good fastball hitting team. Lynn gets murdered by fastball hitting teams. We saw it in the postseason last year. Well, he only throws fastballs. (laughs) He only throws fastballs. He throws like several iterations of fastballs. So um, I'm worried Lance Lynn gets murdered tonight. Tomorrow night is Cueto and Logan Gilbert in Seattle. Oh, that I kind of like that for the White Sox. I I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And then you got a big fat TBD on Wednesday. Might be Davis Martin again against Luis Castillo on Wednesday afternoon. I mean, you can easily drop that series. You yeah. can easily Especially with drop the way the Mariners series. are playing. That's the thing. But then like you go to Oakland, right? And and you hang out there for four. Gotta, and then you've you got a day three. off. And then you host Colorado. And that seems simple. And then you got a one-off with Cleveland. And then you go to Detroit. It's so back wow. and forth. Wow. Dude, that schedule is soft as shit. <laughs> it's soft as shit, but then you finish strong. So after Detroit... The White Sox, they host Cleveland again. Then they host Detroit, so again, soft as hell. And then they go to Minnesota to end the year. Okay, so you have a bunch of winnable games, and then sandwiched in between is games that you have to win to win the division anyways, which is the guys that you're competing against to win the division. I think that the White Sox, this might sound crazy, but I think they kind of control their own destiny. They do. I just think they're going to fumble the bag. So well, that that's fair. Yeah, I think they can fumble their own destiny. But the fact that the White Sox, given what has happened this season, you could make the case that even two games back control their own destiny is pretty freaking crazy. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's a pretty bad division, man. It's a horrible. division. (laughs) It's horrible. Now, the best division in baseball has a tight race at the top. Now, the NL East Atlanta's two back. Freed was perfect before Rain halted that game in Atlanta, right? I think he was. Tragic. Yeah, I think Freed was perfect. But like, um, also, that shouldn't even count. If he threw like a, per- a perfect game, I guess, would count. No hitter, I honestly wouldn't care. He wasn't perfect. He walked one guy. Um, He walked one guy. But the Marlins are the worst team since 1930 against lefties, and Max Freed is – is it fair to say Max Freed is the best lefty in, in baseball now? No. You Julio can say McClendon. Yeah. Is Arias better than Max Freed? Have you fucking seen what Julio has done this year? I mean, Julio Arias might be the most underrated player in baseball with what he's done this year. We constantly are talking about Walker Bueller. We're constantly talking about, oh, the return of Dustin May. We're talking about Kershaw. How's his back doing? 
you know, a the the Dodgers might have a very thin rotation come playoff time. Julio Urias in 145 and two thirds innings has a two two nine ERA. He's got a zero point nine five WHIP. He's striking out eight point six per nine, walking two point one, six point four hits per nine. The FIP at three six two. Urias on the heels of a 20 win sub three ERA season is 15 and seven with a two, two, nine. He's a freak. I understand. I agree. I agree. He is a freak, but Max Freed, two, five, six ERA, two, five, four FIP, which is ridiculous. And I think a lot of the same, you know, I, I think they're almost identical and strike out to walk ratio. Um, Obviously, wins are going to come a little bit more consistently. I mean, I know the Braves are really freaking good, but the Dodgers are on a different level in terms of what they've done offensively and how they just close out ball games with that bullpen. You're telling me you would take Arias the rest of the way here over Max Fried, who yeah. after this start with the Marlins, by the way, his ERA will drop to probably two five flat or two four something. Um, and you look at F4, four six. Versus a two eight for Julio Arias. Julio, uh, last eight starts for Julio Arias, forty nine innings has a one point one zero ERA. That's, that's fucking crazy. That's crazy. Is- I don't think anybody realizes how good Julio Arias has been since the All Star break. That's since the All Star break. Got a one one ERA in eight starts. That is that is pretty nuts. I mean, Freed, pretty, pretty trash. Last eight starts, 265. Oh, yeah, that sucks, cooked. dude. He's cooked. Listen, 265 is great. 1-1 one, one is next level unbelievable. Yeah, you know, it, 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 I, I will say he's kind of kicked it in gear here uh, to another level, and he did have a bit of a shaky start, uh, Arias did. I mean, you can't go wrong. Long term, obviously, Arias is the answer, right? Because he's, I think people also forget how young this guy is. He turned 26, 26. years old yeah. 23 days ago. 23 days ago, whereas Max Freed, a little bit of a late bloomer, a little bit older. He's a, a geezer at 28. Um, but Freed has kind of just hit this next level this year with the way his fastball is played, with the way his slider has played as well, and that he manipulates to a cutter. And, of course, that that just the, the curveball is, is one of the most impressively just – the shape, the way he throws it, the way he locates it, how nasty that curveball is, is insane. Um, I'm excited. I honestly think the postseason, Jack, is going to be a really good opportunity to see who, which of these two lefties is just a little bit better. Because I think that on that big stage against baseball's best lineups, perhaps head to head, perhaps we'll see these guys, you know, maybe not them against each other head to head, but Arias against the Braves and then Frida against the Dodgers. And it's going to be a really good opportunity, I think, for one of these guys to assert themselves. And I'm very interested to see who kind of dominates the postseason. Julio's a fucking firecracker, dude. Do you remember him closing out the 2020 World Series? Granted, oh, yeah. like minimal crowd, but like there, there's something about Julio Arias's electricity in the postseason that just riles me up. I know, I know. Uh, okay, I'm I'm excited. How about this? Before we get back to the Braves Mets conversation, who are your must watch starting pitchers in the postseason? I Farid is now in that department for me because I just really want to see what he does. Um, and I just think that what he what he did last year in that World Series run was was pretty freaking amazing. Um, but must watch. Uh 
Kershaw just because yeah. I want to see what the hell he yeah. does in a different way. Um, and I really hate the narrative. And I hope like, you know, even at this age now, he can kind of quell that a little bit, but must watch in the lens of like, you know, just domination and just guys that are just so fun. It kind of leads us into the Mets Braves conversation, but Max Scherzer, I mean, there's, there's, I don't think major league baseball in its entire history, all of the thousands, I don't know how many players have played in major league baseball. What, 20, 000, I don't know what it is, whatever it is. There's a handful that you could say are even in the same boat of competitor as Max Scherzer is. He is one of the greatest competitors to ever step between the lines. And that makes him must watch even at this stage of his career. He's banged up right now. Hopefully he he's fine and comes back from injury quickly. Um, but he is just one of the ultra competitors that we've ever seen. That's must watch for me. Yeah. The the guys that I'm going to be dialed into Scherzer is at the tippy tippy top of that list. I think that's perfect. As is Max Freed. Julio Urias also makes that list. Um, I am going to put Zach Wheeler on that list. I think if you get the Phillies into a postseason, you know, like wild card type setting where you have your back against the wall, Wheeler may go eight innings. How about Noah too? Noah's kind of had this this put it together year where he's kind of just turned himself into that, hey, all of those expected stats – all of the, the things that people said about me, my stuff, whatever. And he's had flashes of this, of course. But over the course of an entire season, we've never really seen it. He's kind of made that case now of, hey, I am that guy. Yeah. I want to see him kind of put it across the finish line here in the postseason as I am that guy. And yeah. consider me a top 15 pitcher in this game. Yeah. And then three in the American League real quick. Um, Verlander. <laughs> Verlander, obviously. Um, I was torn between Framber Valdez and Garrett Cole. Like Valdez could be the guy. Um, but Cole, I'm just intrigued by because like obviously the affinity for the long ball. Like Garrett Cole lets up home runs in the postseason. We'll see what happens. Um, and another guy, I'm so, so excited to watch Alec Manoa throw postseason baseball. Oh, yeah. That that might be a top three guy for me, actually. Um, talk about ultra competitor. Um, he's, he's right up there and, uh, the stuff is crazy. The blue Jays need him. Like he needs to put them on his back. I I agree. That might be one of the top three options right there of guys. I'm looking forward to watching throw this year. Yeah, that might be the guy. Um, but yeah, so let's get back to the NL East because as of right now, the Mets have a two or a game and a half lead over Atlanta. Um, did that game just go final? Yeah, I believe it did. Braves Marlins just went final. They were in the bottom of the fifth. Oh, no, no. That one can't. Oh, it can go final. It can because, go final. They got halfway through. Well, and also the Mets are about to lose. Or did they already lose? They already lost. They already They're, lost. So, so it would be a game now, wouldn't it? Or, or did that already get calculated in there? Uh, no, it has not been calculated in. It is delayed for rain. So it has not been final. It's a game. Atlanta is a game back of the Mets right well, now. Atlanta's won five in a row. The Mets have lost two. No, I'm saying did the did the final in New York get calculated into the division? It did because I just checked. I just checked. 10 oh yeah, I literally just did as we're speaking. Yeah, yeah. So game, a game. Wow, a game. Uh-huh. Woo! Who uh, wins the NL East? <laughs> well, you know what? I my preseason pick was the Braves, so I got to roll with it. Um, I'm gonna stick with the Braves. Scherzer goes down now. Um. The Braves are kind of clicking on all cylinders. They're going to get Soroka back soon, who has looked really good in his rehab starts. And they've kind of got their pick of the litter of any of the guys in, in AAA that have been throwing well that they kind of want to add uh, to this team down. They down gave the Muller the weeks. bump. 
They gave yeah. and Moeller earned it. He should have. But even if Moeller struggles, they can go flip flip somebody else and, and and you know flip him for somebody else and bring maybe an Anderson back or bring somebody else back into the elder. Pool. Yeah, elders look good in spurts. Uh, <laughs> the Braves were my preseason pick. I really thought they had no chance. Obviously, I thought that, that pick ended up being you know a little bit. Uh, it looked didn't look great at points, but hell, man, it's a long season. And all of a sudden, uh, the Mets, if if Scherzer is out for a little bit, and I assume they're going to be very cautious with him, it's going to be interesting here, man. Aside from the Marlins, who have you watched the most this season? Team, I, I I can actually tell you for sure. I have not. I've watched some other teams more than the Marlins this year. I think I I've watched way more teams than the White Sox. I would say that's a great question. Um, that is a really good question. I've watched a lot of the twins, especially early in the year. I really enjoyed because I wanted to see Lewis. I wanted to see Miranda. I wanted to see Kirilov and Larnick, but obviously, you know, they were banged up this year. And then of course I just, I love Carlos Correa. So that team was really fun for me in the early going this year. Um, I'll try to watch almost any Alec Manoa start. I'd probably say the team that I've watched the most though, over the, over the course of the entire year It'd be two of them. It would be the Cardinals, the Pujols chase, but also I just love that team. Yeah. Um, and then probably in second would be the Mariners. Yeah. And then the Marlins kind of mixed in there. I passively watch the Marlins. That's the thing. When I put the other games on, like I'm, I put them on for a reason. The Marlins is just like background noise when nothing else is on. So with intent, my final answer, probably Cardinals. Probably Cardinals. Yeah. Okay. I love that team, man. I really do. Between Goldie, Arenado was my, you know, one of my favorite players growing up playing third base in high school. I just watch his highlights and just look at all his actions and try to repeat them any way I could. Um, and then, you know, Goldie is so always been one of my favorite underrated guys. And then what Pujols is doing is, is magnificent. Um, and, you know, the Cardinals are just, you watch that, you just see that you can feel the energy of the fans there. I, I can't wait to go to Bush. Uh, now in, in less than a month. I'm very excited. That's going to be awesome. That is going to be freaking awesome. Um, Yeah, I think for me, like I've watched a lot of Phillies baseball. I've watched a lot of Mariners baseball. But I think the team that that is the leader far and away is Atlanta. I've watched so much Atlanta Braves baseball. Oh, I mean, they're with the two youngsters on top of Austin Riley turning into an MVP candidate and, yeah. and everything else they've got going on. The Braves are a must watch team. And, well. and Matt Olson has become one of my favorite players in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, something I, about I, I, that team, man. They're a really fun group. Uh, and I love the combination of the youngsters now, too. That just makes it so fun. Yeah. Uh, and the pitching is obviously really solid. Uh, one last topic I wanted to hit on before we called this episode, uh, you know, for the, for, the, for the day. Farhan Zaidi discussed the Giants' future. Yeah. And this was on the front office on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. And the quote was, everything is on the table for us this offseason, including going out and being aggressive at the top end of free of the free agent market. We're going to talk a lot about the free agent market, um, you know, in the offseason. So I'll reserve a little bit more of that, the specific names, players, all that good stuff, you know, for when we're not actively playing baseball. But I just thought that was interesting because the Giants are in a really weird spot. I've been very hard on the Giants on the call up, you know, the prospect podcast, because a lot of their guys have regressed this year in their system. And a lot of their recent draft picks have struggled. Um, 
on the big league level, obviously they have not been good. Uh, they've been a massive disappointment. And a lot of the guys on their big league team currently, you can point towards and say, are they part of not only next year, but are they part of the team's future? You know, you feel Brandon Crawford, you got to let him get another chance next year. But Brandon Belt's a free agent. They probably let him walk. Uh, obviously, they have not figured out how to replace Buster Posey yet. And Joey Bart doesn't look like the, the answer. And Patrick Bailey is not looking like he's going to get to the big leagues anytime soon. Their recent first round pick, another catcher. Yeah. They have a lot of answers or a lot of questions to be answered. And a lot of the prospects that we they were hoping, Elliot Ramos in the outfield, to, to help have not helped. Um, a lot of the guys that were good for them last year regressed. And then the other pieces are just getting older, even a long go and um, other pieces like that. Should they be big players in the free agent market? What are the giants going into next year? I think the giants are a sleeping giant financially. I think Mm -hmm. that they can pay big, 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 big money. And they've been in on a lot of guys over the last few years and they just haven't quite pulled the trigger. Yeah. Um, You know who I think they should take a long, hard look at is Trey Turner. Yes. But what do you do with what do you do with uh Brandon Crawford who's in our contract and paid a decent amount next year? Turner's flexible. I think you you tell Trey Turner, you make Trey Turner your guy for the next 10 years, 11 years. And just say just grit and bear one year at second base. You still play plenty at short. We're gonna give Crawford days off. He's not gonna play against lefties, blah, blah, blah. One year, play second, play a little center, play some third, maybe. Like just play everywhere. You're gonna play a lot of short because Crawford's gonna need to get off his feet in DH. One year. Um, I think Trey Turner makes a lot of sense for them if they were to spend big. Um, I think JD Martinez could be a guy that they could grab for for two or three years. Been bad. Um, he's been hurt, but he's been bad in the second half, but he's been hurt. <laughs> yeah. Now I think it would be really interesting if the Giants went about trying to restructure a deal with Carlos Rodon yeah. as well. Um, because Rodon can opt out now that he hit his innings threshold. Um, so he can he's he's got a player option for 22 5. Hell no. Um, he's gonna go get his five-year deal right now because he's proved that he can stay healthy for a whole but I would season. never I would never give him a five-year deal. That's the thing. I would never want to do that. But he's 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 deserving of a five-year deal now. I agree, but I like I think I personally fourth, wouldn't do it. Yeah. That's interesting. And then they also have Kyle Harrison coming up now through the minors who it could potentially be an option for them next year. Left-handed pitching prospect who's one of the best in baseball, but the rest of the system doesn't really look like it's going to help them anytime soon. Right. And so re- internal reinforcements are not really an option. So who are we looking at starting games for the San Francisco Giants in 2023? If they do Logan. re-sign Rodon, Rodon, Logan Webb, possibly Kyle Harrison for the back half. Yeah, and that's a very – you cannot plan bank your season on, no, around don't, don't bank on it. Alex Cobb okay. has been good. But, like, you need more than that. So – I I think you got to find a way. I agree. You got to find a way to bring back Rodon, even though I don't love paying him, you know, over five years, but you got to find a way to bring back Rodon. And I agree. I think they've got to make that splash for Turner, not only to, to bring him into to your team, but you also take him away from LA, um, which is, you know, almost <laughs> just a, a, a double dip in terms of, of what you're able to do for your team there. But I, I'm more worried about the pitching situation. They don't have the prospects to make a major trade. Um, they have a lot of kind of, number four or five types and they don't have anybody that's necessarily super close to, to, to getting promoted outside of, of Kyle Harrison. I just feel like the reason why I brought this team up is yeah, you can go get Trey Turner. You can go get some pieces, 
Well, what I still just feel like you? they've got a lot of holes to fill. But as we as we've noted and as we saw last year, they're good at filling those those kind of gaps through low end, you know, multiple platoon pieces type they, of way. They that, had that they four always or find. five platoon spots last year. Four yeah. or five. That's an incredible amount. So what you, you think they spend big and then piece together the other options and you think they, they can get themselves in, into being competitive within one off season? I don't think they should. I think they should blow that shit up. You think they should blow it up? Yeah. How do you even blow that up though? Who are you trading? I don't know. <laughs> like you could have started by trading Rodon and Jock Peterson this deadline, but they didn't do it. Yeah. Why would you not trade Carlos Rodon? I have no idea. No clue. They're they're really in an interesting spot, and this is a team I'm very much excited to talk about in the offseason. I just kind of wanted to to dip Love our it. toes in here yeah. and you know float the appetizer to what's going to be a very intriguing team because they are in the purgatory and they've got to find a way to get out. Signing Trey Turner is a good way to start, but you, you need a lot more than that. You need a lot more than that. Um, hope you guys have a great Labor Day. Any link you need is in the episode description. We're active on Prize Picks. Uh, we're active in the merch game. Get your merch. And um, Peter and I will be back to talk to you tomorrow, I do believe, unless uh, we choose to celebrate Labor Day. And I don't think we will because yeah, I'm time. What? You guys will be talking tomorrow. Yeah, you'll I be, think talking we'll be talking tomorrow. So we'll be good. All right. Talk to you guys then.